Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Christmas Ghost Story, written by Nick DiMarantino, published in 2022 by Northwest Corner Books. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Poltergals. Chapter 2 Family Trouble A Shock at the Triplex Chilly, deceptive September sun streamed through the Triplex's second floor picture window on Greenwood Avenue. The cold light illuminated a cozy, well kept living room, every surface free of dust and adorned with photographs. Grandchildren at every age and stage of development were framed and mounted on end tables coffee tables, hearthstone, and mantelpieces under the lamps and on top of the television. Though there were only three grandchildren, there appeared to be a stadium full of them. The excited commentary of a sports announcer filled the room, accompanying a broad-shouldered, helmeted, black athlete battering his way down the crowded football field, hurling straight toward the television screen, toward the sunlit living room, of Lou and Gloria Rossi, far from Beacon Hill, the old neighborhood in South Seattle, where they had raised their two sons, where now the Rosses were now happily settled in the upper unit of her sturdy, modern triplex in safer, saner North Seattle, where their grandchildren were within easy driving distance, and their neighbors spoke English. Lou Rossi sat in his favorite chair, feet up in the hassock. The Saturday newspaper spread open across his Bermuda shorts. He was a healthy, sun-browned man in his 70s and had paused in his newspaper reading long enough to notice the scores on the television screen. He just had a refreshing shower after 18 holes of golf with three of his usual pals. The ringing of the telephone jolted him back from the football field. Hello, he said, his eyes never leaving the screen. He didn't recognize the voice, couldn't hear exactly what the woman was saying. Can you speak up? The connection was terrible. Or was it the football game? Where was the remote control? Grandpa. And then he knew. It was his precious granddaughter he hadn't seen for two years. Not since her mother's funeral. Not since she departed from SeaTac Airport, returning to her college in Indiana. 
is this Gina? He finally found the remote control, but it only made the football crowd roar louder. It didn't matter. He knew who was calling now. Gina, it's you, he said. Your grandma will be so upset that she missed your call. She just drove down to QFC to pick up a few things. How's Indiana? She said something. He made her say it again. Here? Sometimes he didn't understand what young people said. Could she possibly be here in Seattle? Where are you calling from, Gina? Are you at the airport? Do you need a ride? She wasn't at the airport. She didn't need a ride. Grandpa, you're not going to believe what I just done. She had a whole lot to tell him. A lot. Is it your heart? When Gloria Rossi got home from the supermarket, she carried two full grocery bags up the 12 cement stairs, through the front garden, then up the 10 wooden and steel stairs to the front door of the triplex, which she nudged and bumped open, and then up the 14 carpeted indoor stairs to the second floor. That was a lot of stairs, no matter who you are. Whether you're 72 years old or not, Gloria prided herself on not being out of breath. She was as lean and sun-browned as her husband. She played golf three times a week and took daily morning walks with Lou around Green Lake. She wore her thick gray hair and a short cropped helmet. She regarded life from a skeptical, cautious stance. Gloria was a trim, compact woman who walked straight and said what she thought. She was mildly surprised that her husband didn't meet her at the door and take the grocery bags from her arms. That would have been more like him. She juggled and puggled bags, fumbled her key into the lock, and pushed the door open with her foot. Lou, can you give me a hand? She called from the doorway. Her words crackled with irritation. She could hear the television in the front room. The game was on. The world stopped when the game was on. Lou, she scowled, adjusted the weight of the bulky bags in her arms, and rapidly walked to the end of the hall. Lou, she strode into the kitchen and was about to call him again when she saw him sitting in one of the kitchen chairs, staring at the floor. The telephone receiver was in one hand, welling indagently, demanding to be disconnected. She screamed his name. She worried constantly about his weight, his diet, his annual physical exam, his cholesterol level, and his heart. She hounded him over his shameless taste for red meat. Now she overturned her bags onto the spotless counter and rushed to her husband. Lou, she cried, seizing him. Huh? What? Where does it hurt? I'm okay, really. What is it? Lou, tell me. Is it your heart? If it was Lou's heart, it was Gloria's heart too. She had already decided years ago that if Lou died first, she would follow him immediately, regardless of what anyone said, by any means necessary. The thought of losing her husband always brought a strange and terrible image to mind. It was a commonly told story in the Rossi family that during the first year after her husband's death, Nana had walked to the bus stop on Beacon Avenue every morning like clockwork. She always caught the same bus always fulfilled the same ritual riding into downtown Seattle, 
where she transferred to another bus that carried her near North Calvary Cemetery. There, Orsla Rossi would throw herself, sobbing onto the grave of her husband, pound the earth with her fists, and beg God to take her too. Gloria could imagine that kind of pain. She wrapped an arm around her husband's shoulders. Can you stand up? I don't want to stand up, said Lou. I want to stay right here. He sighed. We just got a call from Gina. From Notre Dame? She's back. Her face brightened into grandmotherly bliss. How wonderful. She's going to live here in Seattle. Live here? Gloria burst into delight laughter. That's terrific. Lou, you scared the hell out of me. What's wrong with you? You look like you just heard the worst. She'll be living with her boyfriend. Oh no. Her smile crumpled. How disappointing. I always hoped Gina would have more sense. Oh well. Some nice young lawyer from Notre Dame. He's Jewish. Jewish? You mean the boy we met two years ago when Gina's mother... That's him. Oh my. Why do young people have to make things so difficult? Two different religions? Oh well. If he makes a good husband. They have no plans to get married. She said not to worry. She's being safe. She's on the pill. The pill? Gloria felt dizzy. Her granddaughter was still a child. And Gina is using her inheritance and the money from the insurance to buy my mother's old place. What? Nana's house, he said to his wife. Our granddaughter plans to buy Nana's house. The very thought of Nana's house was enough to cause Gloria's knees to give out. If there was one place she'd had enough of for the rest of her life, it was Nana's house. She dropped onto the kitchen table beside her husband. Has she told her father yet? Of course not, he said. Lou, don't get involved, she warned. You know what Sam can be like. We're keeping out of it, said Lou. I'll help her close the deal. I'll help her with the paperwork. But I won't help her when it comes to Sam. I don't meddle in my son's affairs. It's up to Gina to tell her father about her living arrangements. Not us. The view from the 29th floor. Gusts of rain lashed at the wall-sized windows of the insurance office, high above the darkening streets of downtown Seattle. Wobbly, glistening raindrop trails streaked the glass, blurring Elliott Bay and the waterfront below into a rainy watercolor of dribbling grays and blues. Sam Rossi didn't see any of it. He chose to see what was important. That was his secret, how he had climbed to the top of the benefits jungle long after his employees had gone home. He remained at his desk, and his desk faced away from the window, away from the view. Looking back into his office, there on the 29th floor of the Yeasler Tower, his office was important. His work was important, and he was good at it. Trim as a 30-something, Sam was in his mid-40s, a smart, honest businessman with a good sense of timing and an instinct of for deals. 
He went home at night to a nice house in a nice part of Wedgwood. He made enough money to keep his family happy and give generously to his church. There was no way around it. Sam Rossi was a success. He knew what was important and how to pay attention to it. Hi there. His attention leaped to an unexpected visitor standing in the office doorway. It was long after hours. No one but the janitor should be on the 29th floor. She was a breathtaking young thing. Halfway to his feet, he realized who she had to be. His mouth fell open. Her hair was different. Her style was different. She was no longer a child. She had grown up overnight. How could this be his daughter? His Gina, his little girl who had gone away to Indiana to college. Of course, of course she changed a lot over the last two years. He had seen her at her mother's funeral. Not two more years had passed, but still, could she really have transformed herself into this beautiful young woman? It could be, it's me, dad. For the first time that night, his computer screen was forgotten. He stopped thinking about Rossi health benefits. All he could see was his daughter, Gina. They embraced. What an awesome office. Oh, that's right. You haven't seen this one. The last time I saw your office, it was much smaller, she said. His marriage with her mother had been annulled when she was five. Mom moved to Tacoma, taking her daughter with her. From then on, Gina stayed with him six weeks every summer and every other weekend until she left for college. I don't understand, Dad. Why do you sit with your back to the view? I mean, you've got this spectacular panorama and you sit facing the other direction. Why ignore it when you've got so much of it? His eyes were bright with humor. Too distracting. It's completely on purpose. A successful man keeps his mind focused on work. He thought she might be old enough to appreciate that. He could immediately tell he was wrong. She was still a novice at life, a romantic, the kind who opt for looking at pretty views and fell. So what brings you on a visit to Seattle? This is no visit, said Gina laughing. I've graduated, Dad. I live here now. He hugged her again. What great news. Welcome back to town. So what don't I know? There's a secret in the air. Who's hired you? Where are you going to work? I don't exactly have a job yet. I know that's an unimaginable state for someone like you, Dad. But don't worry. I have no intention of sponging off you. I've still got some money that Mom left me. I'm not worried about the money, said Sam. If I was, would I have insisted on sending you to Notre Dame? So how's my young lawyer, anyway, at the head of her class? Actually, I didn't end up majoring in law. He felt he should have known that. My young businesswoman, I mean. Or business either, for that matter. I decided I didn't want to spend my life making money off of other people's problems. Sorry to disappoint you. You don't disappoint me, Gina. You know I love you. So what did I pay for you to study? I majored in landscape agriculture. And what? I'm going to be a landscaped gardener. A what? I'm starting my own business in the spring. 
It's called Green Thumb Enterprises. It offers custom landscaping at affordable prices to people who don't make six-digit incomes. Green Thumb? What can I say? After four years of the best education money can buy, his daughter has become a manual laborer. Dad, that's not true, she protested. Stunned, he listened in horror as Gina proceeded to tell him, in detail, about the humiliating mess she was making of her life. It got worse. If you're going through a bad time, he interrupted, you can move in with us. Actually, Gina admitted, I've got a roommate. Is she from around here? I'm going to be living with a boy, Dad, she admitted. His name is Aaron Steiner. You met him when he flew out to be with me when Mom died. The silence became unbearable. We're probably going to marry. He couldn't believe his ears. Is that why he sent her to Notre Dame? To learn how to shack up with some jerk and forget her values? I've saved the most exciting news for last, she said. I'm buying a house. Me, a homeowner. Can you believe it? And not just any house. I'm buying Nana's. Sam stared in disbelief. You can't be serious. You're paying good money for that old pile of garbage? Dad, how can you say that? Because I know that house, he said. It's a pile of troubles built by a bunch of stubborn, stupid immigrants who didn't know what they were doing. Nothing built to code. Everything on the cheap and under the table. Screwy plumbing. Dangerous wiring. You call that a good idea? Dad, stop treating me like a child. Her cheeks flushed with anger. Will you stop acting like one? Her father countered. What do you know about life? You've been handed all your money. You've never had a job. You're hardly 20. I'm almost 23. And so cocksure that you've got it all figured out. There is no stopping now. Sam Rossi told her exactly what he thought. He remained sitting at his desk long after she stormed out of the office. He waited for his heart to slow down, as motionless as the mahogany furniture all around him, deathly still, except for his fingers. He couldn't make his fingers stop trembling. He put his hands on the desktop, and his fingers looked like they were tapping invisible keys. Slowly, he got his anger back under control. Now was not the time. He had to think clearly now. He did not owe his success in life to indulging his emotions. The secret to success was staying calm. He switched off the lights in his office and closed his eyes. Rain. Summer was over. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Porter Gals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at roguemedianetwork.com. You've been listening to The Poltergals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast.